Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Welcome, everyone, to episode 19 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts, and today's episode builds off of last week's conversation. Um, Last week, we talked about healing, and today we start to examine how healing and purpose flow into each other and how they connect. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Here ends the reading. Last week I offered the image of the Eucharist to talk about healing and purpose, how we, like the bread, are taken and blessed, only to be broken and then given out to the world as a source of nourishment and life. And today we focus our attention on this idea of purpose And I'd like to offer us a different image, and that's Jesus on the cross with outstretched arms of love and suffering, welcoming the whole world. Because to me, there is something so beautiful about this image of the arms of God, wide open, eager to embrace us and our world. It's an image that brings to mind the father welcoming his son home in the parable of the prodigal son. It's an image that says all are welcome here and one of unconditional tenderness and love. But as I prayed over this image, here's what I came to realize. Yes, this image of open arms is a beautiful image, but it's also a really challenging image, a vulnerable image, an image that will always open us up to pain. Because here's the catch of having open arms. When our arms are open, our heart is completely defended. When our arms are closed, our heart is covered, defended, safe. But when our arms are open, our heart is open, ready to love and receive and welcome, yes, but also vulnerable to being hurt. So a little bit about my story. Whenever I was in high school, I went through a relatively short phase where I explored Catholicism. These were my rebellious years. But I remember speaking to a priest, and he told me to pray to the sacred heart of Jesus, which is a big thing in Catholicism. And I tried it, but this practice did not last very long. For one, I thought it was a little superstitious, And second, I didn't really know how to pray to a heart. I took his words very literally. And to be honest, um, since then, I haven't really thought much about the sacred heart of Jesus. But from my perspective now as an Episcopal priest, 
I can see the wisdom in this image because for Jesus to have open arms and an undefended heart are actually the same thing. For God to love us, God's heart must be open. For us to love others, our heart must be open. But again, an open heart is an undefended heart. And that's why it's one of the hardest things to do in the world, because as I shared in the last episode, our heart is hurt so early on in life, and we learn lessons about who we can open our heart up to safely and who we cannot, about when we can be vulnerable and when we cannot be vulnerable. And because all of us have experiences in life where we open our heart and we get hurt, probably starting maybe around the age of three, We learn strategies on how to defend our heart and protect our heart and, of course, close our heart. Not because we don't want intimacy, but rather because we don't want our heart to get hurt. Brene Brown puts it like this in her book, Daring Greatly. She says, as children, we found ways to protect ourselves from vulnerability, from being hurt, diminished, and disappointed. We put on armor. We used our thoughts, behaviors, and emotions as weapons. We learned how to make ourselves scarce, even to disappear. Now, as adults, we realize that to live with purpose, to be the person whom we long to be, we must again learn to be vulnerable. We must take off the armor, put down the weapons, show up, and let ourselves be seen. We must take off the armor, she says, which means we must open our arms and open our heart. And of course, the tie-in to the Bible passage we started with is that Jesus tells us that to find our purpose in life, it all begins with learning to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and learning to love our neighbor with all of our heart and Yes, even learning to love ourself with all of our heart. And so the two questions I want us to pray through today are, number one, where is God calling me to open up my heart a bit more? In other words, what armor am I using to protect my heart? Anger, busyness, sarcasm, numbing, perfectionism, disappointment, blame, What armor do I need to take off to open my arms and my heart more to God and to other people? That's the first question, and the second is like unto it. Where am I not ready to open my heart fully? Opening our heart is a process, and we open our hearts slowly to other people for a reason. Many of you know that you can't fully open your heart to everyone, that you would be hurt. And so, where is it that you still need to protect your heart? I think being honest about that is really important. And as you hold those two questions, I want to tell you a story. And this story I share, I heard from Father Gregory Boyle, who works with gang members in Los Angeles. And I heard him tell this story at an event where he was the keynote speaker. And as part of the healing process in his work with gang members, he invites them to share their stories. And on this particular occasion, Boyle shared a bit about Pablo's story with us. Growing up, Pablo always wore three t-shirts. His mom would beat him every single day, and two t-shirts were needed to soak in the blood that flowed from the wounds. 
Pablo's mom wanted nothing to do with him, and so she dropped him off at an orphanage when he was only nine years old. But because it's all he knew, he kept wearing three t-shirts every day, and his classmates would laugh at him and always ask him why he wore three t-shirts. And so Pablo, when telling others about his life, would always get choked up at this part of the story and begin to sob. And after collecting himself, Pablo gave this answer. I wore three t-shirts because I never wanted to show people my wounds. I was ashamed of my wounds, and so I always tried to hide them. But now I see that to live into my purpose, I need to welcome my wounds. How else will I ever be able to heal other people? Now that very well might be the wisest thing I've ever heard, and It comes not from a philosopher or a member of the clergy, but from someone struggling to escape gang life who decided that he too was called to be a conduit of God's love, that God could use even him to the extent that he was willing to open his heart. But of course, to open our heart, to go back to what we said in the last episode, we have to know we are blessed. And that the blessing does not need to be earned, period. Because as we know that we are blessed, that is whenever we start to live into our purpose. And this is what the Episcopal Church teaches about our purpose in the Catechism on page 855 in the Book of Common Prayer. There's a question that's asked, what is the mission of the church? And the answer we're given is that the mission of the church is to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. In other words, the church has one purpose, restoration. Our one purpose as the body of Christ is to restore people to God and to restore people to each other and even to restore people to themselves. In other words, our work is to heal. As God heals us, so too are we to heal the people around us. And so about that, I'll just say a few things. First, you have a purpose. Your purpose is not to change the world. Changing the world is God's purpose. But in living and choosing, we will change the course of our world and our families and our churches and our communities for good or for ill. You see, something will flow out of us. We can be a conduit of God's unconditional blessing or we can be a conduit of condemnation and judgment. But what we can't do is not be a conduit. Our presence is always moving people closer to God's kingdom or further away from it. And so whenever we talk about purpose, we're talking about getting very intentional about how we want to be a source of nourishment and restoration for other people. And our purpose does not need to be big. Big is always our ego's concern, not Jesus' concern. In fact, Jesus once said that anyone who gives a cup of cold water to one of his little ones will receive a reward. And so what is your purpose? For me, I want to be a faithful priest and a competent rector, a responsible and present and loving husband and father and friend. I want to write and learn and teach 
And I want to cultivate as deep of a prayer life as I can because I know from experience that I can't take you to a place that I have not been myself. All of those things are part of my purpose in life. And I'm also really clear that some things are not my purpose. My purpose is not to engage in political advocacy. My purpose is not to paint or to sing if it involves too much spontaneity or skills found in the right side of the brain. I've learned from experience that this is probably not my purpose. But here's the thing. If they happen to be yours and you don't know it, my job is to help you discover that purpose in your life because helping people discover their purpose is part of my purpose. And so what is your purpose? Now, that's a question that only you and God can answer together, but there are a few things I know for certain. Number one, you will only live into your purpose to the extent that you let Jesus heal you. Number two, it is not something you can accomplish in your own strength. It's not about taking matters into our hands, but about putting matters into God's hands. And that's why finding our purpose always requires a breaking. Number three, your purpose can't be divorced from your life. There is no work, home, friends over here, and then God's real purpose for your life over there. Your purpose is about who you are in the midst of your life and your church and your community. It's not some ideal divorced from the actual life you've been assigned. Number four, your primary purpose is to be transformed. If God's purpose is lived out in your heart, God's purpose will necessarily be lived out in the world. As God heals you, you will heal others. As you are restored, you will be an agent of restoration. And number five, you cannot live into your purpose unless you know a deep sense of worthiness, that you have absolutely nothing to prove. And so as we close this episode on purpose, I just want to offer one final illustration. This last Saturday, my wife Emily planted flowers in our front yard. She is not an experienced gardener, but it is something she wanted to try, and she did, and the flowers look absolutely beautiful. Uh, But late that night, we were at dinner together, and she was very excited about the flowers she had planted, and she said something along these lines. There's just something so rewarding, she said, about finding a little corner of this earth to invest time in to make more beautiful. Yes, I got dirty doing it, and it's not perfect, and someone out there could probably do it better than I can. But I feel alive, and it brings me joy, and the world is a bit more beautiful as a result. And to me, that is what finding our purpose is all about. It's about finding that little corner of the world or of life or of society that we want to make just a little bit more beautiful or sane or healthy or better functioning. Mother Teresa once said that we cannot do great things, just small things with great love. And so I do hope that you find that little corner of the earth that works for you. It's okay to get dirty, and it does not have to be perfect, but if it brings you joy, and if you make the world just a little bit more beautiful as a result, I think it's safe to say 
It's part of your purpose. Thank you.